snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. I've seen Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors, this is Ink and Quill. I'm your host Yang Yong. In 1982, British director Ridley Scott authored the world one of the greatest science fiction movies of the 20th century, Blade Runner. A loose adaptation of Philip K. Dick's 1968 novel, this mind-blowing film has generated a near cult following among cinephiles. Thought you might be able to help me with the case. Any idea where I could find him? Thirty-five years later, die-hard fans have another opportunity to re-examine the relationships between human and replicants, as a sequel named Blade Runner 2049 has stormed theaters worldwide. However, does this latest installment live up to the hype and the lofty status of its predecessor? Will the reboot of Blade Runner signify the beginning of a golden era for studio science fiction? In today's show, our book critics Shi Yu and movie buff Nila will share their opinions on these matters. Hey there, you're listening to Book Chat. I'm Shi Yu, and I am Nila Nyakoa. Okay, so today we're going to talk about something exciting, Blade Runner. I'm not quite sure I do agree with you if it's <laughs> exciting, <laughs> but yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about this film that I just watched a couple of days ago. Okay, for our listeners, if you have already watched the movie, fantastic. If you haven't, spoiler alert, because we're going to talk a lot about this movie. So we will give you a little bit background information about this movie. So the first thing you need to know: the original Blade Runner movie was made in 1982. That, in fact, is just a year before I was born. So the movie is actually older than I am. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> the movie is quite interesting because it was set in 2019. So it's a simple detective story blended with a little bit science fiction. And the leading actor is our favorite Harrison Ford. He plays a police Blade Runner, and his job was to retire, or you can say, to kill those human replicants, or maybe we can call them manufactured、uh, android slaves. Right. Some of them they just don't want to follow the order of human beings, so they just gun Roger. And this is the story of the first one.、Mm-hmm. And actually, also、um, the first Blade Runner for those people like me who hadn't watched it.、Um, so I, I've watched bits and pieces of it,、mm-hmm. but not the entire movie because we have different versions of it out there, and it's quite a lot of work, you know, going to know which one you should watch. Yeah. But just a little bit、uh, about that movie. It is actually one of the biggest movies that, and it actually has like a cult following. People who really, really love this movie, and such that it's become a classic. That has led to now, thirty-five years later, we're seeing a sequel of it. Yeah, this one was set in the year of twenty forty-nine. That's the reason why it's called Blade Runner twenty forty-nine.、Mm-hmm. And this time we have a new leading character, K, who's also a Blade Runner and is played by Ryan Gosling. Personally, for me, when I went to watch the movie, I'm just going to talk about my impressions.、Um, 
for when I went to watch the movie. I was a, a little bit reluctant. Um, <laughs> because I forced you to watch that one. <laughs> uh, one was not exactly that. One is more of like, I've never been a huge sci-fi fan unless there is a lot of action going on. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw um, the trailer, it actually looked quite interesting. And I thought, well, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of Ryan Gosling either. <laughs> and I've never been a huge fan of um, Harrison Ford <laughs> too so and then i thought well maybe it's time for me to challenge myself maybe this movie will dis- will be exciting but another thing was the fact that when i heard it was almost three hours long yeah <laughs> it's I was extremely like, long it was i felt like okay maybe there's something different that we haven't seen before in other movies in yeah. other sci-fi movies that might make this one more interesting and maybe make it f- feel because most of the time when I watch a lot of movies I feel like oh I really want more I really want more but just knowing that it was gonna go on for almost three hours it's 163 minutes long I felt well at least there's a movie that I might watch and actually feel there's a finality sense to it Mm -hmm. I would feel okay that's enough now (laughs) that was a great movie let's go so I did go to watch the movie but did you like it I have to say in the first hour or so, I was a little bit hooked to the story mm-hmm. because there was this, there were so many uh, suspense moments. There were so many uh, shots. There's so many, so much going on. So I needed to pay more attention. I needed to know where the movie's going, where the story is going, uh, what's the story with the protagonists and the antagonists. And so I had to stay awake. And then after that, <laughs> and then I realized the movie keeps on going the one hour later the story is not moving it just there is just mark timing in one particular place <laughs> and then it become a bit of a work a little bit of work for me to watch that you know uh, i totally understand that have you ever watched the previous movie made by the director Denis Villeneuve which movie is that arrival i haven't watched arrival either it, it, it was like a, a huge hit last year and yeah. This Canadian director, he has a special approach of portraying science fiction. They don't have a lot of actions. They don't yeah, have yeah. a lot of special effects. It's yeah. all of them very slow building emotions. And it gives you just very strong aesthetic yeah. and with very powerful subtlety. Because for me, the highlight of this Blade Runner movie is like when Kay, you know, the leading character, when he realizes he's not the savior, he's not the chosen one. And I didn't see it coming. For mm-hmm. me, this is maybe one of the most powerful moments. Mm-hmm. And I understand when you complain, it's, it's been way too long because we are talking about 163 or 164 minutes. Mm-hmm. But you can get immersed into the world where the atmosphere and storytelling are giving space to breathe. But, right. Yeah. But, but I understand because my blader burned so much <laughs> when I'm sitting there for about two and a half hours. The thing is, like, if you're a huge sci-fi fan, you will really enjoy this movie. To be fair, I thought it was a wonderfully made movie. Mm-hmm. But you really have to be a fan of science fiction to be able to sit through. Yeah. All that because there's no fast-paced action going on, which usually is, you know, captivates a lot of audiences. And considering uh, a lot of people these days don't have much patience, people want yeah. quick, 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 and we're out of the cinema and go do other things. Yeah. So if you have to sit in a cinema for three hours and the movie is that slow, because this movie, it took the direction of, you know, detective 
you know, the direction of uh, investigating um, what's happening, why yeah. am I human, or what what is the meaning of having a soul, things yeah. like that. So it's more reflective, yeah. and there's less action. Well, there is a few actions in there where you see, like, gunfight that goes on for, like, a few seconds, and then that's it. The rest of the time, you just have to sit there and try to understand and go into this character's minds and try to understand what the hell is going on. And that, for me, was a, a little bit of a trouble because... A little bit more action would have made the movie seem much less longer than it was. It will hook audiences. <laughs> yes, yeah. it would have hooked audiences, and I think that's one of the major problems why it it flopped on the opening. And actually, when I when I went to watch the cinema, I think there was only like maybe six people <laughs> in the entire cinema. You know, the first one, the first instrument of Blade Runner was a totally box office bust back in the early 1980s. Right. Because people didn't understand why there's something so philosophical musing. What, what is it? People don't understand it around that time. Yeah, and 35 years later... It's still the same one. It's still the same one. And also looking at, because it's very hard for the younger generation to understand what is going on because most of them simply probably didn't want to go and watch what happened in the, the original film. So if they were looking at it you know, like reading reviews and watching videos of you know, movie critics talking about how complicated this movie is, then it will definitely, and the fact that also they are aware that the first movie was a flop. So yeah. it would <laughs> definitely not be an attractive element to push the audiences, especially the younger generation, to go into the, to the, yeah. to the cinema yeah. and enjoy this film, even though it's probably one of the best movies that have come out out of 2017. I totally agree with you. I think another issue is that even though some fans said it's not strictly necessary to yeah. watch the first Blade Runner movie to appreciate this one, but mm -hmm. I still think if you don't know, if you are a first-timer to this movie, if you watch the first one, it could definitely help you to understand the setting and why certain characters act in certain ways. Right. So I didn't watch uh, the 1982 version when right. I went to the cinema. Actually, I went back to the book, the source material, uh, which was some novel written by American sci-fi writer Philip K. Dick in, in the late 1960s. Mm -hmm. And the title of science fiction, it's so weird, it's called Do Androids Dream of Electric Ship? Yeah, but that's another thing that's really confusing a lot of people. Like when yeah. you look at the book, the title is completely different. But then that's a different story. That's because the movie, actually, when you watch the movie for the first time, I thought there was going to be like somebody, you know, like was really like Superman, you know, running really <laughs> fast and doing action scenes. <laughs> you know what mainstream movies do. And then I realized at the end of the movie, I have no idea why it's called Blade Runner. <laughs> you know why it's called Blade Runner? I think it's because Ridley Scott, mm -hmm. uh, the director of the first movie, he thought about, oh, we need to make something appealing to the general audiences. So he just random search some some titles, say, okay, Blade Runner, that one sounds fun. But the Blade Runner, the phrase did not appear in the novel. Absolutely, so, so for yeah. people who read that book, it would say, so confusing, what is it? <laughs> but I think this is the same thing happened with other adaptations from uh, Philip K. Dick's other novels. He had written a lot of science fiction. I could say most of them have already been adapted into TV shows or films like uh, Total Recall, Imposter, Minority Report, this is probably the most famous one, and The Man in the High Castle, which was just adapted to a TV show by Amazon last yeah. year. He's quite an influential, uh, his books, are, Philip K's uh, books are quite influential. And I mean, his works have 
sort of inspired this sci-fi world. It has inspired how Hollywood makes movies. Yeah. yeah. I think he doesn't attract people based on plots.、Mm-hmm. He attracts audiences because of the ideas. Because Dick is just like Van Gogh in the literary world.、Mm-hmm. Like he was regarded as a totally loser with mental health issues when he was alive. But when he passed away, people start to regard him as some avant-garde genius. Like he foresees everything would happen in the future. Right. So there are a lot of adaptations based on his stories. But I think his stories. Definitely put some challenge on filmmakers because people want to see plots. People want to see characters with you know very strong personalities, but all of them are lacked in his works. Yeah, he's definitely like arguably the most influential or one of the most influential sci-fi writers of all times, and that's because when you read his books, you know. You just look at how he presents the future, how he views、um, this imaginative world of the future, and in some sense, some of these things do come true. Yeah,、know? it's kind of scary. Which <laughs> is very, very, very scary because look at it this way: he builds this amazing world for in the future, and you know. It just provides that you know rock solid foundation for many you know movie directors these days to use his works、yeah. as a base as a foundation for you know creating something that's more a little bit more de-、uh, believable to the world. For people like these days, we always there's always this hunger of knowing we want to know what's gonna what, what's twenty thirty gonna look like because、yeah. we know it's gonna be very very different. So we got into when you look at this. Movies like this that give you a sense of what we might expect in the future, because now we know there's so many things that happen, like iPads and making video calls, like Skype. You know, it's just happening very fast. Yeah. If you're talking people, you know, people back in the 1970s tell them, "Oh, my internet is down, so I can't, <laughs> I can't tweet you." So、yeah. you don't understand what this means. But now it's happening really, really fast. It's really, really fast, and it's also pretty scary. But but then again, it's the golden age of TV and sci-fi is you know leading the way in producing such masterpieces that are influencing the way society thinks today. Yeah, and that that's all thanks to people like you know Philip K. How to adapt a thriller into a movie? What is your favorite toilet reading? And when to give up on paperback? Want to know the answers? Join our discussion about all the trendiest topics on Ink and Quill. Now there are more and more films and TV shows based on science fiction these days. Too many. Yeah, yeah I think it all happened back in the late 1990s, right?、Mm-hmm. Around that time, you know, we we have a lot of young adult adaptations like Harry Potter, Twilight,、uh, Hunger Games, or Divergent series, Maze Runner. Because now we have this younger generation; they accept science fiction as a norm, as a part of the mainstream culture. But if you're talking, you know, the older generation, they probably won't accept like science fiction that easy. Yes, the problem is like when you look at, for example, this Blade Runner twenty four tonight movie, it's struggling in attracting the younger generation because、yeah. when you look at the series like Divergent series, so if you look at Divergent series, you look at you know Hunger Games and such kinds of films. I am attracted to those kinds of films, and I've watched all of those. Why? Because there's so there's so much this this fantasy world that's amazing, that's captivating.、Yeah. You know, the scenes are spectacular. The movie is moving really, really fast to the point you feel like, hey, please slow down. I don't <laughs> want it to end just yet. But then, when you look at the Blade Runner, it's quite complete. The opposite. Everything is slow. Everything is thoughtful. 
everything is philosophical, <laughs> which is which kind of to me gets a little bit exhausting. You know, I think this is some strategy behind those huge Hollywood studios. I mean, those science fiction movies and fantasy movies—they kind of come into being after the huge box office success of Marvel Studio、mm-hmm. and Marvel and DC. There are some similarities between science fiction and superhero comics books. Right, right. There are some similarities. So it's Marvel and DC—they have this kind of box office success formula. Most of them, they will have like a male protagonist, and we will have like a lot of actions, mind-numbing special effects. So、right. people get used to that kind of stuff. So when you present something, you know, a little bit avant-garde, like Blade Runner, people won't get used to it. I don't, I don't know. You do like the tendency of transforming science fiction, fantasy novels into reality. I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm really curious about whether you like this tendency of turning science fiction. And fantasy novels into reality because, as a genuine sci-fi fan,、mm-hmm. I have to say I have really mixed feeling about it. Because I remember in our previous conversation, you talking about you're actually attracted to actions. And yeah. F- and for me, this is my biggest worry as a sci-fi fan, because as my favorite sci-fi writer Tap Chan once said, it's not about special effect; it's about the human connection. If you focus too much on that actions. You will lose track about what the story is really about—the essence yeah, of、so、science fiction. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm always on the action side. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You know, you know, several days ago, I just read some news online. It's about my favorite sci-fi writer. His name is Yoshiki Tanaka, and he wrote the Legend of Galactic Heroes, and it's going to have a live-action movie trilogy. My first reaction was、mm-hmm. fear. Because I don't know whether the film will stay true to the book. Is it going to be off-screen as it is happening in the book?、Mm-hmm. Is it going to be faithful to the source materials? I have so many so many questions. So many questions about it. It always happened with those adaptations. I think as an avid reader yourself, I'm not an avid reader, but you are. So for me, I depend on movies to have you know to have this sort of. Different side of because when I read books, I find them it's a bit you know you need a lot of patience. You need、yeah. it takes a little bit longer. You,、yeah. There's a lot of imagination. You have to imagine this world on your own. Whereas when it comes to adaptations, it's more like the director's interpretation、mm-hmm. of what he thinks the book should be port- portrayed to be, yeah, or the storyline should be、yeah. in the adaptation. So I do agree with you. Like、uh, I do understand why. Where your fear comes from, because if you have read the books and then you go watch the movie, a lot of people who've read books never end up loving the movies, the adaptations. Yeah. yeah. Because the, apparently, from what I hear, there's usually a lot of、uh, information that's skewed, or there's so much that has been omitted that it doesn't、yeah. make sense anymore. And also because when you look at how movies are made these days, it's very common for you know box office. Directors、yeah. to sort of market their market focus is usually on the visuals、mm-hmm. rather than the substance, and that's、yeah. something that is very scary to a lot of avid readers like yourself. So I do understand where you're coming from, but then at the same time, if they had to include everything or go right exactly the the way books are presented, then I don't think many of these movies would make it big. Literature and films, they're、yeah. two different mediums. And、yeah. books, they have like more freedom. They have more time and space to expose certain things.、Yeah. But most of the movies only have two hours. So I think Blade Runner is probably one of the exceptions. But most of them just two hours long.、Right? Yeah, to be honest, actually, even Blade Runner would have been 
you know, two hours would have been enough. I don't <laughs> see why it had to be stretched that long. And I don't know. I don't know if we talked about this, but oh, people know about this. Actually, the original film it was supposed to be four hours long. Oh my goodness, four hours long. So they had to edit out. So apparently, they had this thing where they thought, well, maybe we could divide this movie into two, show it into in two parts. But it's not Harry Potter because they can actually divide Harry Potter into eight or or seven instruments because、yeah. Harry Potter has a huge fan base. Yeah, compared with fantasy like Harry Potter, the sci-fi fans it's a very specific demographic of moviegoers. Yeah. So if they separated Blade Runner into two movies, I don't know how many people will actually go to the theaters to watch that one. But then I think if that would have happened, I think they probably the movie wouldn't have flopped as it has, because. Not like I said earlier. Not so many people want to go and spend that much time in the cinema. Yeah, so maybe if they had divided it into two parts, two hours is enough for most people to go and watch a movie, and they'll be happy they, because if they know the story still continues, they'll be happy to come back because it's a, a lot more condensed within two hours, and they need more. So it, it'll be like have, having to watch two movies in one, and that's exciting. Instead of like normally we wait for a sequel or a prequel, and then you have to wait for two or three years before it comes out. So that would have been. Would have made more sense for me than having to sit through、uh, this boring movie for <laughs> for three hours. And my popcorn got finished within the first hour. <laughs> you know, I think it also depends on certain books because Blade Runner is original novel. The, the source material, you know, the Android's dream of electric sheep, is a boring book. Let's to be fair about it. Yeah, it, it doesn't have a lot of plot. It, how long? How how many pages is it? <sighs> I can't remember. I just read through the book within one and a half hours, so it's not a very long one. Yeah, it's not like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones have so many twists, so many ups and downs characters. Uh, we once talk about conflicts between the book lovers of Game of Thrones and people just watch the TV shows. Like I'm the one who falls on the TV show. I'm the、Side. one focused on the books, but、yeah. I still enjoy the TV shows because it has the same spirit. Mm-hmm. Because they keep, you know, the author George R. R. Martin on board. He's one of the producers, so he could keep the ideas of his books within the TV shows.、Mm-hmm. But for a lot of science fictions, it's a little bit difficult because most of the writers already passed away. Right. Yeah. Then the directors are forced to just interpret it the way they want it. Yeah,、be. they just run wild based on the ideas of those big studios. I don't think it's an, it's necessarily a bad thing because they the good thing is like. The directors do understand what kind of audiences they're targeting, and to be honest, I think in this film,、um, it's Denis Villeneuve. I think. I think in this film, he literally knew what he was doing for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think he knew after spending that much money, a hundred million US dollars. Uh, yeah, hundred million, million US dollars. It's a lot. It's a big budget, and they were expecting to make at least three hundred million. Like. A, Two hundred percent profit. So far, it doesn't look very good. Yeah, but the problem is like, well, he knew that maybe it might flop. But then, just like the older version,、mm-hmm. the older sibling of the movie, it will still over time continue gaining that classic status and still gain. That cult status have people who are devoted to the film, and over time, it will make more money. Yeah. You、so、know. maybe as a reader, I shouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I don't think it's something to worry about. But because 
there's just so much going on being released similar movies being released nowadays at some point people there's usually that quiet time where okay now you start going back and say well ah, let me w- go back and watch this movie again yeah yeah so maybe novels in all the genres no matter it's science fiction or fantasy one day it can all be flourish on the screen they all can they all yeah. have the potential to it just i think it just depends on the the directors or the the production studio what they anticipate on what kind of audience they are targeting and you know what kind of status they want that movie to be when it's all over when it when it's released like do they want it to be a classic blockbuster or do they just want it to be another main mainstream you know fast paced action movie that or is they just want to meet the niche market or oh, they want to target a niche market yeah. do they know well the future is here Let's that was shiru and nila discussing the latest blade runner movie as well as the pros and cons of bringing science fiction to the big screen on that note it's time to wrap up today's show Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world, and we will keep you posted. To learn more about us, you can follow our Facebook account China Plus or download our podcast by searching the keyword "Ink and Quill" on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host Yang Yong. See you next time.